I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello. Welcome back to Oddsbiz, everyone. Live from our Brangaroo studios. You have tuned in to the call. 10 stocks picked by you. I put them to our two experts. On this Friday, the 25th of November, Black Friday sales, of course, are on. So we've got a bit in the first half of the show, a bit of a retail theme uh, coming on. But our two experts, let's get stuck straight into it. Luke Winchester from Merriweather Capital, IRL, <laughs> down from Newcastle. Good to see you, big fella. You well? Koshy, yeah, down from God's country yeah, for the day. Yeah, yeah. Good, to, good to have you here. And Philip Pepper from uh, Shoreham Partners. Philip, always good to see you. The raging bull, as we uh, as we know. Well, I feel like a raging bull today because I've just come back from Canberra after emceeing the Australian Export Awards last night. It is the most amazing, inspirational night mm. of these Australian exporters um, that are doing great things overseas. Exporter of the Year, Bubs. Oh, Christina, yeah. the team at Buzz. The, the Biden, uh, yep. the yeah, Biden yep. rescue package. With the um, share price hasn't performed that well, but the fact that they broke into the American market uh, and talking to Christy um, last night, uh, things going pretty well uh, for Bubs at the moment, which is interesting. And yeah. another one that won an award um, was Little Green Farmer. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. The listed medicinal yeah, yeah, cannabis yeah. Uh, business. Um, which I think has been on the call once and was sort of a bit derided by the, uh, the panel at the time. Um, but do you know who's been their biggest ally? Border Force. Yeah. Border Force had this program called, it's, um, it's a program with the word trust in or whatever, and it's an arm of Border Force where they help exporters gain credibility with other border forces around the world. So they pave the way. If you get the tick of approval from our border force, particularly for something as controversial mm. as medicinal cannabis, um, it opens doors around Straight the world. In. And great program, by, I'd never heard of it. I thought mm. border force was just intercepting yeah. boats coming in from overseas and putting people on Christmas Island. But they do great stuff with uh, exporters. Mm. It's always interesting sectors like um, medicinal marijuana where you have that boom back in 2018 yep. and usually what happens is it washes out but two or three survive. Yes. The ones that have the genuine products and the, the genuine markets, they survive and then thrive out the other side. So they and usually yeah. get thrown in the bin by investors but the patient yes. ones can do quite well. Yeah, yeah. And if you, you stick with it, I was really impressed with it, only not knowing much about the business based in Western Australia. But the fact that Border Force is one of their big advocates, you go, hmm. Doing something right. Maybe worth having a look. Yeah. Um, let's get uh, stuck into uh, the stocks for this half hour. As I said, Black Friday, bit of a theme. So I thought we'd take a look at Adore Beauty, Dusk, Premier Investments, Silk Laser, and Shaver Shop in the first half hour. Retailers really mixed at the moment, aren't they? La Visa going through the roof, massive 
multiples and then others not so big. Uh, I thought stock of the day though, EML payments. Stock that's been battered all sorts of issues over the last 12 months. Held its AGM today. Chairman saying since COVID, it's been one of the most challenging periods in history. Yeah, but, you know, Blind Freddy can see that. Look at the share price. Um, its market cap is the lowest since 2016. EML has had continuing, of course, regulatory issues in its Irish and UK subsidiaries sort of being accused of um, uh, being a vehicle for money laundering. Uh, these businesses contribute 45% to total um, FY22 revenues, resulting in EML being faced with significant costs to fix the, fix the issues. EML has appointed a new chief executive, and the chairman says it aims to reverse its share decline over the next 12 months. This is how the share price is performing today. Um, investors like it, up 14%. Uh, off a very, very low base, as we saw from that five-year chart. Philip, when a company comes out like this, because obviously when it was at $5.70, everyone thought it was terrific. Um, a stored payments business, gift cards, all that sort of stuff. Um, then the regulatory issues hit it. Is this a turnaround for EML? It's a strange reaction. I mean, it is off a low base, up 15%. Yep. They gave a first quarter training update, which is actually quite weak. Um, right. The guidance they gave uh, for FY23 is for EBITDA in the range 26 to 34 mil. Consensus is at 36 mil. So oh. it's a below consensus trading okay. update. However, uh, the new CEO gave a strategic review summary and all the appropriate buzzwords were used, streamlining, return to growth, etc. So you've got to put the today's um, share price bounce into context compared to that chart we saw. Is so the CEO, the new one, good? Does said, the market said, believe? Said the right things today. Right, so okay. clearly the market's believing uh, what was said today. Yeah. Having a flip through the presentations, the obvious things were said. A bunch of acquisitions that weren't integrated. Let's streamline. Let's fix the UK. Let's move forward. Um, so certainly the, the longer term, the short term conditions are tough. Um, in the absence of the strategic update, share price probably would have fallen again today. Right. But as that chart shows, down 83% for the year, up a little bit today you got to put into context. For me, what's interesting is not a lot's come out in terms of what are they actually investigated for in the UK and Ireland. It does seem to be anti-money laundering, money laundering pro yeah. protocols, that kind of stuff. Um, which, which all our major banks here have been accused of by our authorities. Yeah. Uh, and so our casino yep, as well. Yep, um, yep. And we saw our, our casino get slapped with a heavy fine for them not having appropriate uh, yep. AML protocols in place. They will probably get a fine. Uh, at some stage, but we don't know how long this will take, how much it will cost. I think they've burnt 14 mil or something already trying, trying to sort this issue out. I wouldn't buy it today because of the appropriate buzzwords we use, but that's easy to say. Let's see some execution. Right. And a lot of regulatory risk. We don't know what they're going to get hit with and how much it's going to cost. Right. However, uh, paper talks about being an acquisition target and the board historically swatting away would be sued as valuations much higher than today's share price. If there's any truth in that and the regulatory issues get resolved, you'd think one or two of those suitors might come back. Right. So yeah. if you owned it and you, you've copped the 80% the decline and today's announcements seem to appease the market a little bit. But you wouldn't put new money into it? Oh, too many, too many unknowns for yeah. new investors to go in. You, you're speculating. If you'd ridden the 80% down, new MD yeah. off to a good start, I, I would yeah. hold. Okay. I certainly wouldn't buy any more. Must admit, when the anti-money laundering stuff came out, I thought, I can understand banks and casinos, but really? And then it made you think, 
Gee, if you had to launder some cash, turning it into gift cards, <laughs> you'd have to buy a lot of gift cards, wouldn't you? And have a lot of friends to give them around to. I can see the point. But what do you reckon, Luke? Is this as bad as it's going to get for EML? Well, that sort of reaction is interesting because, as Philip said, you miss the consensus with the guidance. You yep. would normally expect that share price to be hit pretty hard, but you've seen the opposite reaction. So I usually do take notice when you see that, um, when a stock's been in a, a multi-month downgrade cycle poor performance, when it no longer goes down on bad news and in fact does the opposite, it's sometimes a, a sign of that, uh, that bottom nearing on the share price anyway. The fundamental turnaround is still in very early stages, as, as Phil said. A lot of buzzwords in that announcement, tangible actions, not many have been taken. Um, to your point on the new CEO, we'll wait and see how good she is, but the one thing she does have is a background in, in regulatory and compliance. That's so important oh, that's for where good. they are, yeah. And so I think there's a, a bit of confidence there that if she's going to stick around, Obviously, it's probably taken a few months to really dig into what's going on. You've now come to the AGM and you can be more certain about where you are, what you need to do and, and that plan moving forward. So I agree, that's the response from the market. There's you know, a bit of uh, optimism in, in the update today. Um, the guidance was light against consensus and it's all, also second half weighted, you know, 26 milli, but uh, they only did three and a half in the first quarter. So, you know, uh, second quarter is normally big for them because that Christmas period with the gift cards business. Um, look, I new money, sit on the sidelines, I agree with that. If you're already there, I'd probably hold it on that update because it yeah. feels like that kitchen sink where everything, you know, the new management, um, the, the board has really sat down and, and looked over this business the last couple of months. You come to the AGM today, you get all the bad news out, here's what's happened, here's what we're going to do. And to see that reaction, is, it's a probably a, a pretty positive um, uh, okay. you know, outcome for, for current shareholders. So I would hold it if you're there, new money. You know, you don't have to be super early to these turnarounds. It will be a you know, couple of years before fundamentally right. this business really okay. gets back to where it was. I was just checking any director uh, buying and uh, there's a bunch of selling back in April by the, the chairman, but doesn't seem to be any new buying from the board at the moment. Yeah, so something like that would be yeah. a, a big positive if <clears throat> after this AGM- He you know, sold they, at $2.74, <laughs> which compared <laughs> with 61 cents, he, I think the chairman's up for re-election today, so yeah, we'll wait and see the results. Yeah. Okay, all right, let's get into the stocks that you want us to take a look at. And first up, Louis wants a view, uh, Philip, on Adore Beauty, big cosmetic company. Once a market, darling, online retailer that absolutely <coughs> um, did very well during COVID. We're now post-COVID, people are moving back to the bricks and mortar stores. <coughs> That's yeah. right. They don't have a bricks and mortar offering. So mm -hmm. they're, uh, they're cycling some strong comps. They've got some very bullish EBITDA margin targets to reach 10% over time. They're nowhere near that now. Uh, they missed the founder um, has stepped away as CEO. Uh, the, the new CEO's left. Uh, the CEO took over left, now there's a new CEO starting. Uh, the incoming CEO, Tamlin, uh, very good background in terms of retail, will probably do good things. But at the moment, I think online retail, when you don't have a bricks and mortar offering that people want to switch to, and at the moment they're selling mostly um, other people's products, right. uh, we think it's fair value and it's a hold. It's probably going to struggle uh, for the next 12 months until they start to cycle some weaker comps. Yeah. Uh, so for us, um, it's, it's a hold uh, focus on the omni-channel retailers or bricks and mortar. She was a sexy stock when it first launched, wasn't it? Uh, sort of a bit of a superstar founder, mm. the whole thing. And then, as you say, Philip, Big turnover and chief executive. 
Um, yeah, I, I agree with the the hold sentiment. I, I actually I like these guys um, operationally. A lot of the things they Why? do, and you, and you look at the metrics. Um, they run a loyalty program. 60% of their revenue comes from that loyalty program. That's right. Um, and the reason why that's so important, I think it gets lost on investors sometimes when we look at e-commerce businesses, is um, we wanted to price them as if they were software you know, recurring revenue businesses. You win a customer once and they're now your customer for life. We know that's not the case. Like no. we might go and buy a TV from Kogan, but the next time we log online, we don't necessarily go straight back there. We mm. can, there's, there's nothing that stops us from going around. So you have to constantly reacquire customers, but a loyalty program like that is, is the most effective way to keep them in your ecosystem. So, and that's big too, isn't it? Yeah, 60% of revenue. They do a lot of podcasts, um, you know, um, tutorials and things on the website. So there's a lot of content around what they do to keep people um, into into Adore Beauty and purchasing directly from them. Um, trying to shift into their private label brands, that's very early and so again we'll wait and see how that progresses. Um, look, I'd hold it if you're there, it's been hit so hard just on the sentiment of that sector but I was really impressed looking at the FY22 results and even their trading update at the AGM. You look at um, Kogan and a few other of the um, e-commerce guys, now they tipped into operating losses in FY22, yeah. just with all the issues they face. These guys, they stayed profitable um, at a, at a EBITDA, NPAD, and, and cash flow. So I respect that. You know, they were able to that, shows how sticky their tribe. Yeah, they, they were short of their targets, which is yeah. the market punished them for the, the, where the expectations were. But you know, without having to burn cash, balance sheets in good shape. Um, you know, I think they're well positioned to, to continue to grow. Um, that that structural trend of e-commerce growth will continue. Mm. If not, you know, at those same rates we saw through COVID, it, it will continue over time. So I'll definitely hold it if you're there just because of where it is. Um, new money, I think they've already said the next little period will be a bit volatile, as, as Phil said, just because of the cycling some comps. So probably just hold off until that volatility you know, eases out of the stock or out of the comps. And yep. um, But definitely one for the watch list. I, okay. I, I like the business. All right, follow it. Um, now, Roger wants a view on Dusk. Uh, the retailer who is in home fragrance products, uh, candles, reed diffusers, essential oils, uh, fragrance-related homewares uh, operates around the country. And um, look, an, another pretty recent listing as well, was it? Uh, it came out around the same time as Adore, didn't it? Um, yeah, yeah, it, it, it was. It was a I think whole it was batch in, of them. I think it was in 2020. It was yeah. just before COVID, because I remember they got a bit of a bounce for COVID. We were all stuck in our homes and we needed you know, yep. candles and whatnot to, to feel better. Um, so, so these guys have the benefit, to, to, to Phil's point, of Adore Beauty doesn't have those physical stores. So when you know, lockdown cease and we're all able to get back out there and shop, these guys can take advantage on either side, be that um, e-commerce or, or physical yep. retail. So um, I think we've, we've got five retailers here and the general comment is the market's been negative on these guys for a while, waiting for the, the, the wall to come, you know, the consumer spending to be hit, the, the sentiment yep. behind it. And we just haven't seen it. Um, with most of these guys, the AGM updates have been strong and the commentary from management has been pretty positive of, of what they're seeing. Um, most of them are managing their businesses quite well. Um, and these guys are the same. Um, so 24% um, FY23 year to date. Um, online took a big hit and it was down negative 62, but obviously picked up by the everyone going back into the physical stores. Um, only seven times earnings. It's insanely mm. cheap for the growth you're getting. Obviously the market pricing in a, a cliff at some point. Um, I, I think this stock is a buy. Um, so there's there's two aspects to it though. Longer term, from a growth perspective, um, they need to find their way overseas. 
So in my mind, there's probably only one retailer in the country which has done well just dominating Australia, and that's JB. Mm. Most of them, you've sort of got to go overseas to really grow. Yeah. Um, Lavissa, Premier Investments. Um, City Chic. City yeah. Chic, exactly. So these yeah. guys, they're, they're just tipping their toe into New Zealand. They've sort of flagged the UK might be next. Longer term, you need to execute on that but you get a pretty good dividend and core earnings out of that Oz business and you're not paying much for it. So I think you've got safety there of mm. you know where you're okay. currently paying with that potential upside. So you know, longer term, wait and see how that goes, but, but I like the business and all the metrics okay. are fantastic. All right. And Philip, Luke's right, isn't it? Everyone with these retailers factoring in, what if we go into a big downturn next year, can't afford to spend, yeah. but does dusk fall under the, remember the old lipstick index um, that during recessions lipstick sales will go through the roof because people wanted uh, a little reward for going through tough times that they could afford so they go and buy a lipstick is a candle sort of today's equivalent of it could dust be a beneficiary of that look i, th- I think so we think it's a buy uh, for right. those reasons at throwing a nine percent dividend yield as well the nine percent, nine percent, according to a consensus. So wow. that's uh, you know, given the recent share good price, just, uh, very good. Um, two reasons uh, we like it: a, they have omnichannel, so they benefited during COVID. Come out of lockdown, online sales have gone backwards, but in-store sales have gone up. And I think their trading update at their AGM show they're off to a cracking start for this year. I think it was twenty-six percent growth or something solid. So yep. cycling some strong comps, but still doing okay. Uh, if you Look about what we've all read about Warren Buffett. It's low value repeat purchase products. They wear out. Your mm. candle doesn't last you five years. It'll last however many months. So you need to repurchase mm. it and yeah, it doesn't cost a lot. Burning both ends of the candle. It, yeah. Exactly. Uh, it compared to City Chic who had a trading update today. It's down 22% because you don't have to buy a new pair of jeans. You don't have to buy well, another dress. Uh, they had their AGM and they, they've been, because they're having, they've, they've gone backwards in the US um, because yeah. the consumer's been weak. So you might hold off buying another pair of jeans or another dress. Um, candle wears out. It's Christmas time. People yep. are talking about the Santa rally. You're probably going to see people uh, more so this year than last year. You might give them a candle. They might give you a candle. So for us, we're quite quite excited about the near-term outlook for this business. They are generally cheap products, and they are Mm. products that waste away. So we like it. We think it's it's a buy. The other thing they do well is um, they bring in some seasonal stuff to keep people coming back. So I saw they did a Halloween range and a Christmas range, and Mother's Day comes up early. And so they do a good job of you know, bringing people back through the year instead of just having, you know, big spikes of seasonality around core, core um, dates. So, yeah, it's a, it's a management team I like. Yeah. I've seen Peter King, the CEO, uh, present a few times. He, um, you know, seems He's to be a very a good, good retailer. Record. He does, for sure. Yeah. 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 Okay. And I, I think at these prices, yeah, from a downside point of view, you're very yeah. protected. Philip, you brought up the Santa rally. Is that worrying you at the moment? Um, we had an expert, not Mathan, the uh, perennial bear, <laughs> the bear. Uh, but Carl Capolinga, yeah. Uh, from Think Markets, sort of the the king of the charts. So if the ASX 200 got to 7,600 before the end of the year, he'd be out of equities 100%. Because he reckons it's just getting ahead of itself. And 7,600 on the charts is sort of the peak before another big leg down. People seem to be reacting to what Reserve Banks are saying in terms of commentary. Yeah. So RBA moving from 50, incre- 50 basis point increases to 25, yeah. excited our market. The US potentially going from 75 to 50 yeah. has excited the markets. If the next US rise is only 50, we're going to get a massive Santa rally. That might be too soon. I'm not an economist. Are you fearful for next year though? 
It'll uh, come down to us? I, I, th- I think we'll stick at 75, to be honest, because oh. the inflation data I'm seeing, it's coming down slow. I'm not an economist, but right. I, I kind of look at the inflation data. It's like, well, it's coming down slowly. Oil prices coming back. But we're about to go into the Northern Hemisphere winter. Okay. So fuel prices are probably going to go up. So what's inflation look like for the near term? I, I can't see the US pulling back um, aggressively. Mm. Um, I I'm, remember a lot of our market is dominated by the banks and the large resource companies. Yeah. There's 2,000 small caps, some of them that we talk about today, who have actually quite bright outlooks. Right. So on a bottom-up perspective, there's plenty of good stocks to invest okay. in, but the market will continue to be volatile. I can't tell you what the banks will do. Uh, as we'll probably start, what's, what's the view? Um, March quarter next year, we'll start to see the fixed rates roll off and then we'll really see what the stress is on mortgages. Yeah. If banks start to put out negative data, our share market's gonna sell off, um, right. you would think. That doesn't mean everything sells off. So I'm neutral to the market, but positive certain okay. sectors. Uh, yeah. One of them is um, some discretionary retail. Um, yeah, hate the term, but I think 2023 stock pickers market. Right. I, I think you just see a choppy market, you know, just around all these data points and, you know, worries yeah. around Russia, Ukraine yeah. and inflation. But underneath it, so many stocks are still beaten down and, and you can do quite well in a choppy market. Okay. All right. Uh, well, Premier Investments do well in a choppy market. Of course, the uh, one of the leading retailers, Solomon Lewis, um, retail sort of empire, focuses on a couple of key brands like Peter Alexander, uh, Smiggle, which every parent and grandparent knows about and would love to have a stake in the profit margins they make. Um, Philip, what do you think of Premier Investments? It has a big stake in uh, Breville as well, doesn't it? In Breville, in Meyer, and uh, I think total including cash got 1.5 billion in, in investments and property and, right. and so it's yeah. a very very strong balance sheet we think it's a strong buy uh, again should do very well over christmas uh, what used to be their top brand now their number two brand is smiggle back to school sales you yeah. mentioned kids and grandkids guarantee a lot of kids will be getting yeah. smiggle presents over the new year now that we're back to a more normal school year um till facetime uh, as opposed to the year before uh, they typically are a first half buyers company because of their exposure to Australia. Uh, it should be a very strong first half coming up. Their latest results, they, they're at their AGM, they showed that they're off to a cracking start um, current financial year to date. If that rate continues, you're probably looking at consensus upgrades because consensus keep factoring in a decline in retail. Right. Again, what do they do? Um, uh, stationary is wears out. You need a new pen, you need a new nap, notepad, you probably get a new um, backpack, etc. So that part of business is good. They have a lot of fast fashion, $20 t-shirts, $50 jeans, great sales on at the moment. Again, they, yep. they get repeat purchase. And Peter Alexander is another great gift giving um, product oh, that they have. But they could also take it. that offshore um, at, at some stage. So it's one that um, really surprised the market on the upside of its full year result. Announced a special divvy and a buyback. It's well run by the chairman and the MD. Uh, I think the market's overly concerned about general retail, and therefore this was okay. sold off in sympathy. Uh, we, we think it's a buy. All right. I started a stupid, well, as it turns out, financially a stupid decision. Back when I had two grandchildren and only two children married, I would buy everybody in the family, from me down to the youngest, uh, Peter Alexander pajamas for Christmas. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, that adds up quickly. <laughs> well, now to 20. Yeah. 20 we've yeah. gone to and boy 
They're quite expensive pajamas. Oh, very much. On sale today, Black Friday. I, um, if you'd asked me this two weeks ago, I might have said hold or sell. But I took my daughter to Smiggle for the first time and paid twelve dollars oh. for a pack of pencils and a razor and you know a ruler. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know all about those profit margins. Don't yeah, worry. Yeah. Um, I actually think it's a buy as well. Like. Right. 14 times earnings, it's it's more expensive than Dusk and compared to some of those other retailers. I think JB's around that 10 or 11, but yep. just the history of this business is, is probably unmatched. Um, Solly Lou, you would have hated to be a retail landlord during COVID. The way yeah. he squeezed yeah. them was um, you know, unbelievable. He's a hard the way he used, he used the AFR so well, yep, didn't he? he? Did. Um, yeah. You know, so I don't think you have a huge margin of safety if that retail cliff comes in. But as you said, the commentary is still positive at the AGM, and uh, you know, I think you just back these guys to, to do the right thing. They've got a war chest to make acquisitions if you know something does happen. So, yeah, I'm, I'm comfortable buying this, and on the longer term for, for backing right. a management team like that. Okay, quality management, good brands. All right, Daryl wants a view, uh, Luke, on Silk Laser, the. Uh, uh, what do they call it? Non-surgical aesthetic products and services. This is your hair removal and your sort mm, of face things. Injectables and the yeah. freezing, yeah. Um, it came up a couple of weeks ago when Claude and I were on and um, it looked all right. And I said, I just want to wait for the AGM to see how things yeah. are tracking. Because I think this is a real cyclical one um, along yeah. with the other retail names we've got. Um, and it was pretty positive. Um, you know, EBITDA and, and revenue looks like about that 20 to 30% growth year on year. There's an acquisition in there that I think is boosting that a bit. Um, the one thing I did note is they reported their cash balance. It was up about two mil versus um, seven mil reported EBITDA. Normally this is a business that does convert that cash pretty well. So it could just be some timing. Yeah. And I would actually think summer is a big, you know, um, seasonal high for them. So they um, could be stocking up some inventory or, or looking to roll out some stores just prior to that. Um, so just something to keep an eye on, but, but nothing too much. Um, about 10 times earnings. So again, not that expensive. It, it may be cyclical. Um, I think this is one, I know it's coming to the lexicon, Koshi, it's probably that nibble where mm. if you're looking for that more higher risk, it's only just a, t- a touch over 100 mil market cap. Um, be aware of the cyclicality of it. And it's still very early, I guess, in that business model. Um, but I like the metrics. I think the valuation is, is, is pretty attractive at these levels. So it's okay. one where definitely hold it if you're there. And if you don't, yeah. watch list it or, or maybe have that little nibble. Okay. Philip? We like it. We think it's a buy. Um, yeah. With coming out of COVID, demand for their services increased. You can get back to mixing with people again. Mm-hmm. So a lot of their services involve actually meeting with someone and getting stuff done to your body. So, uh, you know, ejecting, waxing, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Once you start down that route, you kind of don't stop. No. Um, so and you kind of do more and more and more. So they've been very good at cross selling. Not that we know. Not not that we know. My, <laughs> no, my, my, my no, friends no. tell me. Uh, but I, I work in an industry yeah. where lots of colleagues get it done, and it is the once you uh, you seem once once you start on it, yeah. um, you can't come back because mm-hmm, yeah. people then notice. Well, so if your lips get puffy and then they come, <laughs> and they shrink shrink again they go oh you must have had work before or if you get the wrinkles go then the wrinkles are back out and look the way the industry describes is once upon a time you walk down the back alley to go in the door so nobody sees you Mm. now they're front and center on high streets and shopping center and people are promoting them so uh, we think it's a growth industry it's a very fragmented industry there seems to be one large player dominated by private equity uh, getting uh, nurses can is very difficult at the moment, so they've got price oh, price point. pressures. Yeah. Um, but they seem to have had little trouble putting those price increases through because everyone understands that you know we're at full employment and 
you tend to trust, um, trust is an important issue in this industry. So if, you, if you've got a nurse or an injector that you trust, prices go up, you're not going to find somewhere cheaper. No. So if we think it's a buy, we think it's pretty sticky revenue uh, in a growth industry, so we okay. like it. All right. And our uh, final retailer, Sally wants a view, Philip, on Shaver Shop, the personal grooming products uh, retailer from hair clippers to beard trimmers, electric shavers, ladies hair shop. When this launched, I thought, how can this be a listed stock? But it just has performed ever since it's listed. Hasn't it? it just knows its niche yeah. and keeps delivering. I'm stunned by it. They've done very well, a bit of a theme going on with the, with the hair removal. Um, they did very well during COVID with home haircuts. Yeah. Um, and they also have the advantage that they're both online and they're bricks and mortar. So whilst um, online sales are going backwards, bricks and mortar are picking up. And again, today, if you're on their emails, very compelling um, Black Friday sales. What they do well, because you can buy a hair clipper anywhere, um, they have a lot of uh, products exclusive to them. I think about 60% of its gross products of uh, its gross margin can, can only be bought through them. So if you re relight the product and it wears out and you want to replace it, you can only get it through them and you'll probably load up today like on Black Friday sale. Right. So it's a very good retail, it's outperformed. It is cycling um, high comps, but it's on 8.5 times consensus PE. And if this data is correct, a near 9% dividend yield. So it, again, it's priced for the correction. Yeah. Um, in earnings, but you know, um, strong start to the year with um, thirteen percent sales growth, um, cycling some very cycling some very yeah. strong comps. We think it's and we're in a very important period for them. Black Friday and Christmas is very important. So mm. if they have a cracker of the next six weeks, this stock should re-rate into early um, twenty twenty-three. So I buy it for show the shop. Yeah. Um, and look, when you when we've looked at the charts of a couple of the retailers previously, the last year has been a big drop. Mm. Uh, Shaver Shop so went up during the pandemic and has just traded at those levels, has it? Sort of yeah. gone sideways. It hasn't been, uh, look at that. Yeah. So it's pretty resilient, and isn't it? Underpinning that. For a though, with a 9% yield. Yeah, to, to, to Phil's point, the, the fundamentals of the business has really backfilled that chart. So it, it sort of got ahead of itself with that, that COVID boom. Um, yeah. But the growth has continued to the point where now it looks really cheap. Um, now, the, the question becomes, I, I sort of agree with your intro. It's one of those stocks where it just keeps keeping on and you sort of wait yeah. for, you know, Amazon or something to kill it because it, it, it's, they're products that it should be so easy just to buy yeah. online from somewhere else. And, and their just, shops do look a bit like JB Hi-Fi, don't they? Yeah, small they're format, just, but just full of yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah, full yes. of everything. They've got that, they've got that down. Well, they're usually outside JB Hi-Fi in most shopping centres. There's a JB Hi-Fi and oh, then Shaver yeah. Shop. That's, yeah. prop, that's smart. They, yeah. um, but, but, but similar, go, go back to a few of the names I've had, but just good retailers. Mm. Um, you know, they've maintained margins, they've um, kept their inventory at good levels, all that sort of stuff. Um, I think moving forward, if you compare this to Dusk, which we had before, which is similar sort of valuation, Dusk probably offers a better growth profile. Um, so I view these guys more as that income stock. Um, right. And you're getting a really good income, like you know, 9%, I think that's fully franked. So if you're that sort of investor willing to take a bit more risk, um, you know, than maybe a four or five yep. percent yield you might get from some of the larger caps, this is something you'd look at. I, I wouldn't expect that that chart is probably what you'd see moving forward. Like, you know, I wouldn't expect huge capital growth out of it because they've I think they've pretty much tapped their market, their store rollout is is 
you know, yeah. very muted. And I don't think there's an international expansion for these guys. But you're just going to get all that cash return to your shareholders. Yeah. So um, I, I think that's the play from so here. So buy, but for income. Just for income, yeah. I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't be there expecting, you know, big capital returns and high growth out of this business. Yeah. And look, for a lot of people's portfolio, they want those good income stocks, don't they? So for sure, cash yeah, coming yeah. In. Okay, for balance. And as you said, it's been much more resilient than I think what we've all yeah, expected. absolutely. All right, let's uh, recap the first five stocks. Stock of the day was EML on their announcements today, their AGM, uh, a hold from both Philip and Luke, a door, a hold as well from both. Dusk is a buy from both. Uh, Premier is a buy from both. Uh, Silk Laser is a buy from Philip um, Hold from Luke going into a nibble, just stick your toe in the water, and uh, shave a shop, um, a buy from Philip, uh, a buy from Luke, but for income investors because um, capital growth could be a bit muted in the future, in Luke's view. Uh, here on the call, we've been tracking our own high conviction growth fund, fantasy fund, as picked by the investment committee. Latest episode of the November committee meeting is on the platform to watch Um At that meeting, uh, Instadec Pivot was removed and seven group holdings added. Uh, mineral resources, the weighting was trimmed and that trimming was added to JB Hi-Fi's weighting and also Wes Farmer's weighting as well. Uh, since the 1st of March, uh, it's up about eight and a half percent the fantasy portfolio at cmc we've been in the game for a while and although a lot of things have changed our mentality hasn't we aim to give experienced traders the best trading experience like our expert platform with its second to none trading tools plus our pricing is completely transparent that's why people who've been trading for a long time stay with us for a long time so if you're serious about trading switch to the market leader trusted for over 30 years trade cfds your way at cmcmarkets.com you don't own underlying assets consider relevant PDS and TMD or information memorandum for CMC Pro accounts at our website. Yeah, join us this afternoon. We've got a whole bunch of uh, analysts and economists coming in. We're going to sort of gossip about the week, uh, get a drink and join us for the end of the week as we wrap it up. And also, I'm going to bring up the charts that Carl Kapolinga is using as his justification to sell all equities if the ASX 200 <laughs> gets to uh, 7,600. So that could be a bit of a discussion point with everyone this afternoon. Don't miss it. All right, uh, this half hour, we're going to the smaller end uh, of the market. Take a look at Prophecy, SKS Technologies, Logio, uh, Felix and SmartPay. All right, Luke, first up, Jenny wants a view on Prophecy. This is a software company. Um, it's, it seems to be a platform that is highlight security issues within uh, data of companies or audit risk and mm. things like that. Um, so disclosure, I own this with Meriwether Capital. Um, and I really like it too. Ah. Um, so software company, Microcap Tech, the chart we'll put up in a second. You'll know what it looks like as it's Microcap Tech. But underneath that, I think this business has done exceptionally well in FY22 and, and you know, looks, looks set to, to do well into this year as well. Um, you look at the reported numbers, it's still loss making, but generates cash flow because of that um, negative working capital model where they're getting upfront payments for their, their annual subscriptions. Um, so through that oh, break- So they're not a SaaS model. It is a SaaS model, but um, people pay for 12 months up front. Right. So it's okay. a subscription service, but you're paying up front for your mm, subscription. No, that's right. um, so they're getting the cash in the door um, through that break-even point. 
Um, to your point, there's two software modules they have. Snare is their cybersecurity. Um, it's not cybersecurity in the sense of. Um, it Gee, that's a great buzzword to be yeah, throwing out at the moment. It is. Anything to do with cybersecurity, you go. Well, well. unfortunately, um, not prophecy, but <laughs> everything oh, okay. else. Um, so, Snare isn't one of those software that will um, prevent hacks and, and whatnot. It's, right. a, it's a logging um, and, and reporting software. Yeah. So, this is the sort of software that Medibank needed. So, so, what Snare does, and maybe they have something similar to it. It. What Snare does is it tells you what was hacked, what was changed, what was stolen, mm. and then obviously you know you're able okay. to, to go from there. So um, very topical um, space right yep. now, and, and management have called that out. And their other software is actually call center analytics, which sounds boring, but when COVID hit, a lot of those call centers where you used to have a couple of hundred people sitting in a you know large office somewhere disbanded to being work from home. And, and all of a sudden having software that was able to coordinate and ensure that productivity and you know mm. everything stayed on track, software became very important. So that Emite software they had has actually really boomed um, since the onset of COVID. So 70% growth in, in FY22 um, to their ARR, their reported revenue was only 28%. So that sets that platform for that ARR to really flow through this year. So I really like it. I like where they're positioned. They're through that break even. So unlike a lot of other micro cap techs still burning cash, they don't have that mm. spectre hanging over them. Okay. Um, and the growth is still there with the tailwind. So this is one, like, like I said, it's high risk. It's 50 mil market cap. So where I play, I love it. Yeah. For those more speculative um, viewers, this, this is one I'd, I'd say have, okay. have a close look at. All right, Phil? Given that you own it, I'll, I'll, I'll say hold. <laughs> It'll be nice. <laughs> My, the, the reasons to like it, reasons not to like it. 50 mil tech company, not everyone's yep. cup of tea at the moment. The positive is it turned cash flow positive in FY22. It lost about 400K in 21 and made about 3 mil in FY22. Normally that's a tipping point uh, yep. for micro cap companies. And um, I think it's got about 30 mil cash at bank. So uh, it's got 30 mil 13, in the bank. 13. 13. 13. Yeah, 1.3 for a 50 mil market cap company. So it shouldn't halve from this level. It's not burning. It's generating cash, not burning cash. So mm. for me, okay, it's not a reason to sell it. Uh, it's in the right space, the right buzzwords. I've seen a few um, cyber companies come through my offices and they all purport to have a solution. And then we get Medibank. Right. So it's kind of like, well, are you working out what happens after the fact or are you trying to prevent it? Very few people can prevent it because let's be honest, the hackers are smarter than the, right. the protectors. So prophecy looks after it's been after, hacked yeah. and helps you find out. Yep. So it, so you might get more demand because of that. Yeah. Uh, and SAR looks impressive. So for me, it, it's a watch, it's a hold. Mm, uh, if you own okay. it, it's, it seems to have a good balance sheet, turn positive. Uh, if you can stomach the volatility, um, I, I would hang on to it. If it was a cash burner, wouldn't touch it, but it's just turned okay. positive, so it ticks a couple of boxes. Mm. So for me, it's a it's a whole. All right, uh, Connor wants a view, Luke, on SKS technology, um, audio, visual, electrical, and communication products, a design distribution of them, um, energy efficient technologies. Yeah, so this is the old Stokes Australia, the electrical contractor. Oh, yeah, yeah. So has has had its issues in the past. Um, and the, the two brothers that founded that business sit on the board, but one of the sons is now the CEO. And right. often when you have that sort of dynamic, they you know come in with some fresh ideas and want to put their mark on the business. And so um, what, what Matthew, the new CEO, wants to do is, is sort of create that hybrid where you take that core electrical contracting business and it's naturally starting to merge with AV and IT. Like, you know, all of these systems are now coming together. Mm. They're not really disparate you know, systems like they yep. used to be. So made a couple of acquisitions, spun off some stuff as well. 
Um, and, and the growth post-COVID and post that restructuring has been pretty strong. Um, it's a profitable business, about two mil, two mil profit before tax. I'll use that just because I've got a lot of tax losses that, yeah. that makes the after-tax number look a little bit odd. Um, it's on a 20 mil market cap, you know, call it 10 times earnings. Um, but but the, the forecast for growth underpinned by a, a backlog looks pretty strong. It looks pretty liquid too. It, it is a very liquid yeah. one. Oh, full disclosure, I do own this as well with right, Mayweather okay. Capital, so I'll, I'll, I'll say that. Um, it took me a while to build a position. It's, yeah. it's a patient one and it's probably one for people's watch lists. Um, but they did 67 mil revenue FY22, forecasting 90 mil in FY23, big backlog to underpin that. You look at the margins they have and if they can get some scale as well, you know, you could be talking about a business trading on four or five times earnings pretty quickly um, and, and sort of getting into that, mm. that, that, you know, away from that just contracting business, which is lumpy and, and has a lot of risk about one bad contract can often be the difference between a, a good business and a, and a very, very poor year. So right. um, I like this one. It's it's probably a hold for me at these levels and just, I, I bought it a while back at, at some lower levels. Um, it's probably a hold and just give it another couple of months to, to make sure that 90 mil revenue is on track. But if it right. is, it's, it's one that okay. I really like. Philip? For a normal investor, like Luke plays in in this space, from a normal investor's view, you look at that, uh, what what do you blokes call them? Lobster pots? Lobster (laughs) pots. Easy get in, can never get out of them. The lay person without Luke's expertise, it's a sell. It's it's too illiquid, it's tech, uh, it's cash burning, I thought. Um, It's got about $200,000 in the bank. It's not a lot. Yeah, Um, cash cash is a funny one with these guys because you have that mismatch of large cash payments. So they use a working capital facility to manage cash. Um, So you see these lumpy quarters where poor quarter, poor quarter, large quarter. So if you can stomach that volatility, hold onto it. Uh, For the average punter, myself included, I wouldn't go anywhere near it because of the liquidity, because of the cash burn, because of the... um, the space that it's in, there's there's safer investments in a market that you know it's a stock pickers market at the moment. Yeah. As we as we saw today, perhaps with City Share, any hint of bad news, you're just going to get punished. And yeah. If you're illiquid, um, this stock's in a bit yeah. of trouble. Okay. The, the, the but problem, you know better than I do. The problem, yeah, you, I you know I always have with micro caps and anyone in this space is you don't even need bad news. You just mm. need a you just need someone with twenty grand in their Comsec account decide they want to yeah, sell yeah. one day. <laughs> Yeah. Or, or someone needs to sell to pay for their tax bill yeah. or something like that. Or the, or the yeah, classic yeah. one is a, a stockbroker with a deceased account and just get it out, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, uh, Matt wants a view, Luke, on is it a logio? A logio. A logio. Managing short term accommodation, one to three, one night to three months in motels, hotels, and rent rolls. Yeah, so I, I don't own this business, but it's a Newcastle-based business. So, right. you know, it, straight That's away, right. there's something. Um, it's, right, it's a, something right or wrong? Well, right. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> of course. Just ask. <laughs> Just want you to clear um, <laughs> They have their AGM today. I was waiting for an update, which didn't come through. That's maybe just us Newcastle people were a bit slow, you know, <laughs> getting it up the freeway. Um, but this is an interesting one. Um, so they're, they're in that yeah, space it's a good run of... Of the week. Yeah. In the they're in the right space. They're, they're tied to um, domestic tourism. So yeah. they're, they're, they do the management rights for short-term um, holiday accommodation. So you have these holiday owners, you know, you've got a holiday house oh, somewhere. Yeah. You pay and these guys. Or yeah, you pay these, or whatever. That's right, yeah. you pay these guys, I think it's about 10% um, to, to manage that oh. on your behalf. So, so rather than the local real estate agent, so they're the they re- do it. They're the rent rolls they're acquiring. 
So wow. historically, this business has been run by your local real estate agent. Right. It's usually oh. just been at the background okay. of what they want to do. You know, all their money comes from selling houses. So you've got this holiday stuff in the background that just ticks mm-hmm. along. These guys come along and go, well, look, we're actually going to be more dedicated to it. They've built a software platform. We can acquire these rent rolls, bring it all together. Um, where that stock has gotten really excited, and it's probably just a hold for me and I'm watching it, is as I said, they clip 10% of the ticket and we all know what, what prices are doing right now, yeah. you know, um, flights and, and accommodation, yeah. it's all booming. So um, I was waiting to see what the AGM update would look like. I suspect they'll, they'll report, you know, some good, some good trading numbers. Um, the, other, the other note I had as well is the accounting around this business makes it a little bit difficult. So when they go and acquire a rent roll from a, um, from a real estate agent, they're forced to then amortize the cost of that over a few years. Um, so you look at their EBITDA line to their, to their net profit line, um, there's a big amortization bill there. But once they front that cash up, there's actually no ongoing cash that, that goes out. So their free cash that comes in afterwards looks really strong. So you know, on my rough numbers, two, <coughs> in FY22, two mil NPAT, but six mil free cash flow. So no. that's the number I would focus <coughs> on as investors. Okay. Um, 47 mil, it's not cheap had a bit of a run, so it's a hold for me, but but keep an eye on it, because I, as far as I'm aware, there's no one else really playing in that space, and it's very fragmented, and, and okay. you know, if they execute well, they can roll it up very nicely. Philip, new listing as well, only been going a year. It's performed very well, and I agree it's in the right space, and I agree it's a hold. Um, I would have thought maybe they're competing a bit against the Airbnbs and the hmm. stays and all that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, they sort of sit in behind Airbnb yeah. um, no. as that as that sort of, um, they use Airbnb and all the, the OTAs, but um, yeah, they sit in behind them as that, that sort of gap between um, the, the homeowner who doesn't want to do it all manually themselves yeah. um, and, and, you know, obviously Airbnb. Right. But the theme is clearly domestic travel, and I'm not convinced, despite Qantas's trading update, that we're all going to be flying overseas anytime soon. Not everyone can afford it, so. But we still need a break, so I would have thought yeah. local travel. Um, and for those who moved away from the CBDs um, and bought holiday properties over the last 12 months, two years, you might see those put up for um, for, for this short-term sort of uh, short term review. So they're clearly in the right space. They've clearly uh, been performing. I think they talk about having a one percent market share in a much larger market. Mm. So plenty of room for them to grow and their peers to grow. It's had a good run. I wouldn't buy it, but again, trading update today, I would hang on to it. Mm. For me, right. it's a hold because okay. it's um, well. It's the words Italian for accommodation. Oh, I knew it was, I knew it was Italian for something. Although I'll quickly oh, look it up. Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. Nice. Um, all right, uh, Nick wants a view on Felix, another um, SaaS-based uh, product, um, computer program, look for uh, the commercial construction and related industries. Yeah, so look, we spoke about prophecy before, and as, as Phil pointed out, it's, it's cash flow positive and it sort of protects that downside. So then Felix shows up and it's the exact opposite, <laughs> burning right, a okay. ton of cash. They raised seven and a half mil back in May and they've nearly pretty much gone through it uh, today and it looks like they'll have to raise again. So I don't own it at Meriwether Capital, but I've actually got it on my watch list um, because they have a really interesting product. And one thing I always look for, um, these guys do um, like contractor management software. And they have Simic as a cornerstone client. And Simic specifically called mm-hmm. out these guys in their annual report saying that with the Felix software, they're able to reduce the onboarding of a new subcontractor from a little under two weeks to about one day. So huge you know, sure. efficiency gains for Simic that has however many thousands of subcontractors around the world. So whenever I see that sort of stuff, I always get a bit mm. interested. So clearly the product's good. 
you're just at a stage where it's a tough market for this sort of, of cash burning. Um, my other comment is they're trying to monetize those subcontractors that come with the large guys. So yeah. you bring your Simics and your, you know, all the large contractors on board and they bring 10,000 subcontractors with them. They're trying to monetize through them. I think that's a bit trickier and I'd actually prefer right. to see them really drive probably just higher prices through those existing contractors because their average ARR is quite small. And I think for the efficiency they give them, they could probably you know, mm. double or triple the prices they charge. And I, I, I'd okay. like to see that. So it's on my watch list. Um, and, and the note I've got here is, is, like I said, whenever a major customer specifically calls out your software as, as you know, driving some efficiencies for them, and a, and a large US construction software peer that raised back in, in May <coughs> was a US construction software company who paid a premium oh. at, at the time. So those couple of things to me suggest there's something to this business, it's just not the right time for it. So it's yeah. on my watch list. If you're there, look, you've written it down, you hold it because of that promise, yep. but I, I, I'm just watching it. And, and Philip, like, I reckon that's a great idea. And if Simic loves it, but then, you got to go beyond, can they run it as a business? Uh, and what's it priced at? Simic might love it, but it's burning cash, six to yeah. 10 mil per annum for a 20 mil market cap company. The construction industry is booming, like 200 bill per annum being spent. Yeah. A lot of the uh, engineering construction companies I speak to don't have enough labor to do all the work that's around. Right. So some of their peers are doing record revenue, record margins. Right. These guys are bleeding money. Yeah. So why aren't they profitable today? Uh, one company might back them, but they obviously can't charge enough yet or haven't got the scale to be profitable. Uh, and in the meantime, they're burning cash. So if they're not making money during the good times, at which I haven't modeled it, but at which point, how, how much further do they mm. need before they can even break even? So yeah. for me, it's not now. Right. Yeah, uh, way too early. Um, okay. We need to see some traction, see other customers signing up, yeah. moving towards cash flow break. It's, even it's that thinking that's it's now been replaced. The, the thinking used to be you underprice, you know, compared to your value to to get that market share. That's yeah, right. Yeah. And and I think yeah, now the market's realised, you know, show us that sustainability much yeah. earlier in yeah. that life cycle. These guys, you know, it's it's tough to pivot quickly, and that's why I said I'm, I'm, I'll watch it. But you do you do feel for them because it, and it happens in every cycle. It happened in the dot com boom and bust. You know, boards go grow, grow, grow. Don't worry about yeah. bottom line. Interest rates go up. No, no, worry about the bottom line. And management thinking well, has got to change completely. He's not there now, but Robbie Cook, when he was at Tyro, made that exact point. Where late last year he was given the directive from yeah. his board of, of yeah. you know we're spending heavily for growth, and then three months later was told yeah. we need to slash headcount. Yeah. yeah, because costs are going up, interest rates are going up. Yeah. All of a sudden, growth costs you more. Speaking of Tyro, uh, Phil wants a view on smart pay, um, which is in that FPOS machine space. Um, Mainly, it's a New Zealand company starting in New Zealand, moving over to Australia now and trying to grow here. Yeah, well, it's it's no longer a New Zealand business because that Australian no. segment has completely overtaken well. it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, compete with Tyro in that terminal space. You've probably seen SmartPay at your local cafe or, or whatnot. Um, profitable business though, um, unlike, unlike Tyro. Um, and I think what these guys have done is they've marketed themselves very cleverly to small businesses to say, 
they'll roll in that upfront cost of the terminal into an ongoing right. payment. Right. So if you're a small business, you've just started a cafe or whatever, you know, sometimes paying a couple of hundred bucks up front for a terminal well, is sort on of- top, Well, on top of your fit out. That's right, anything goes with it. So yeah. Smart, yeah. Um, Smart Pay comes along and says, look, no upfront cost, our percentage taking on your thing will be slightly higher and that's how we, yeah. we roll it in. Now, there's no moat to that, of course. Anyone can copy that. It's good marketing, it's good good competitive positioning, and a few competitors have started to, to, to follow them in. But the momentum's strong. They had a trading update at the AGM that was really solid, 20% quarter on quarter growth. Now, some of that's just cycling, you know, coming up into Christmas and, and some of that consumer spend building up. But um, it looks expensive um, to me about, oh, my numbers, because they capitalized some costs, but I got it back to about three mil. Right. 200 mil market cap, that's expensive. Pre-COVID, they were going to sell their New Zealand business for 70 million US dollars, and that got pulled when COVID hit. So you sort of think if that's still hanging around, the potential right. spin that off, that market cap quickly comes down and it looks really reasonable. So I don't own it. It's on my watch list. If you're there, definitely hold it, even despite the run, and yep. it still looks relatively good. Well, there, there seems to be a push to... Um, uh, these companies are established principally, or the argument was because the big banks didn't care about small business and FPOS and da da da. Yeah. Now it looks as though the big banks are yeah, starting they to want to come back. Uh, yeah, well, it's a bit they? like Aussie home loans when the big banks, yeah, went, and then they came in. So, I, to be honest, I think that's where this is going. Um, we, we think it's a buy. Right. Um, you look at the interesting tire on, on an M and A potential. Well, on a valuation, uh, that well, they two quarters of very strong growth. So yeah. post COVID, they're back yeah. selling again. We're back moving again. Um, you got a lot of interesting tyro three times the size yeah tyro according to consensus data we haven't seen any official m a price but tyro is trading at 28 times ev to ebitda smart pays on half that multiple mm. half ah. so mm. it's cheap versus tyro and right. you think if, if west bay or whoever takes out tyro why wouldn't they or someone take yeah, out smart, smart pay? Tyro well. brings more scale, as you said, it's three times yeah. bigger. So that would appeal to like someone as yeah, big yeah. as Westpac, just moves the needle more it's for them. 700 mil and 200 mil compared to Westpac. That's right, that's right. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and I think um, the banks looking at Tyro is probably the natural buyer. For someone like these, it could just be a private equity that mm. sees the value yep. in spinning off that yep. New Zealand business, yeah. yep. harvesting the cash from Australia, and then put it back on the market in three oh, years' time. As I, as I said, <laughs> I did the Export Awards last last night. One that's not listed that did win an Export Award was a business called My Venue, and it does um, uh, FPOS and a whole range of other services for venues, stadiums, mm. cinemas around the world and the uh, software side yeah, of it yeah, yeah. really interesting um, yeah i've always business. been surprised that these guys haven't ventured into that software side because yes. i've always thought the point of sale software and the terminals just really yeah. went well together yeah, but yeah. tyro and smartpay both stayed pure play mm. terminals interesting all right let's recap the uh, the final five stocks uh prophecy a buy from luke a hold from philip uh sks tech a hold from luke a sell from philip a logia or a logo? Yeah, I could have a logia. A logia. A logia. Yes, you would have it down, Pat. Um, hold from both. Uh, Felix, a no from, uh, from Philip. A watch and a hold from, uh, uh, from Luke. And smart pay, a hold from Luke. And a buy from Philip. Philip Pepe from Shore Partners. Good to see you, mate. Thank see you kindly. Luke Winchester from Meriwether Capital. Thank you for coming down Thank from uh, the Hunter region. 
Appreciate your time. Look, if you want any stocks of your own for me to put to our expert panel anytime here on the call, we're here midday weekdays, um, Eastern Daylight Time, put them in an email to call at osbiz.com.au or tweet us using the at TV handle. A reminder where you can find all the stocks in the calls, fantasy portfolio, osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Have a good weekend. I will see you for the last call this afternoon.